bad storm, the people on board will wear out long before the boat, and I think that's true. It's hard to believe in the durability of your craft while a real storm is fully underway. As I put all my strength and weight into the wheel one second and then let it whirl between my gloved hands the next, it seemed impossible that any useful end was being served by human agency, that the boat was in some conspiracy with the sea and wanted to give me only the illusion of control. And the water, it was everywhere washing across the bow, blasting into the dodger, sloshing in over the transom to swirl around my feet until it drained out the scuppers on the cockpit floor, which would have been far more bearable if it wasn't for the rain, driving in from the port bow, stinging my face and ruining my vision. Exhausted by her efforts to sustain both emotional balance and solid handholds, Amanda turned quiet, her beautiful face a mask of taut misery. I began to realize much of our forward momentum involved surfing down breaking ten-foot waves. I'm not much of a swimmer, but I'd done my share of body surfing as a kid, so a sense of how to finesse the build-up to the break and then the turbulent, barely controllable ride down the other side of the wave was encrypted in my memory. My back ached from standing and my arms complained with every spin of the wheel, but there was nothing to be done about it. All the while I expected things to improve, but they kept getting worse. This is Fisher's Island Sound, for God's sake, I said to myself. It's not the Southern Ocean. I wanted to check in with Noah again, but knew it would mean nothing. Confirming that we were in a freak shitstorm wouldn't help us get out of it. I threw the boat up into another sharp rise to port, only to pull her back to starboard on the way down, barely in time to avoid a boiling mass of seawater from joining us in the cockpit. I guess you just can't make it go in a nice straight line, said Amanda, pulling herself off the cockpit floor with the last set of waves that tossed her. If only I were a better sailor. You have other qualities, said Amanda. Give me a moment and I'll come up with a few. It's that hard? You have an unusual dog. She meant Eddie, the mid-sized shepherd-based mutt who was still below, blissfully knocked out with a hit of Benadryl and secured in a crew berth by a heavy piece of acrylic canvas called a lee cloth. It was a precaution brought on not by his fearing the storm, but of loving it too much. He was the same way in the car. The faster I went and more erratically I drove, the more he liked it. I felt a little bad depriving him of the fun, but I couldn't bear the constant barking demand that he come topside just to get washed overboard. Another complication was the ongoing need to check our position on the GPS. It only took a few moments in that kind of weather to lose our course, costing vital time to port, or worse, putting ourselves in even more dangerous conditions. In what amounted to a literal saving grace, the best angle on the wind also put us on a straight line directly into West Harbor on Fisher's Island, a destination I'd hoped to reach at some point under less desperate circumstances. Any deviation to the north, where I'd planned to go that day, would expose our starboard bow to breaking waves. Any to the south would send us into the rocks at the eastern end of Fisher's, or out to sea, with only Block Island between us and a very irritable ocean. An hour later, as I negotiated the various rocks, buoys, and shoals of Fisher's Island Sound, I felt a slight sense of deliverance. With the island's landmass on our port and West Harbor on our bow, it was only a matter of enduring the nearly unendurable before we reached safety. That feeling lasted until the cable that connected the helm to the rudder decided to snap. Then all bets were off. As I spun the impotent wheel in stunned disbelief, the boat responded as engineered by driving up into the wind. In gentler conditions, this would be welcomed, since it would stall forward momentum and settle things into a manageable drift until help arrived. Now it meant we were brainlessly turning into the fury of the following seas, 
offering the broad length of the boat to whatever vindictive forces lay in wait. As the boat pitched sideways, I went flying. Amanda screamed and grabbed at my follies, both of us at the extreme lengths of our tethers. I hit the combing that surrounded the cockpit hard enough to knock the wind out of me for a moment, but nothing broke. As the boat slapped over on its side, we held on to each other and strained to stay above the water pouring into the cockpit. Then, as if by magic, the carpe manana righted herself, as all good sailboats are trained to do, and we had a few seconds reprieve. As the boarding seas slowly drained out the scuppers, I wrenched open a compartment in the cockpit called a lazarette and yanked out the emergency tiller, which, through some bit of divine luck, I noticed on my own during the otherwise thorough checkout of the boat when we picked her up in Maine. The next trick was to get it lodged in the fitting below the helmsman's seat. The fitting was covered by a tidy little fiberglass cap, removable by unscrewing two big Phillips-head screws. This would be